read a Julia Donaldson book to you. It's called The Dinosaur's Diary. And I mentioned it had a tractor and a dinosaur on the cover. And Mummy said, oh, Nanny must be making that one up. There's no such thing. Anyway, let's read the book and see. First chapter is called Tea Day. The dinosaur writes... I'm so excited. I'm nearly ready to lay my eggs. I had a wander around the swamp looking for a nice safe place to lay them. That's hard when there's so many big fierce dinosaurs around. It's just not fair. The biggest fiercest dinosaurs get everything their own way. They even have days named after them. Like today, Tea Day, named after Tyrannosaurus Rex, the biggest and fiercest dinosaur of all. Why can't I have a day named after me? Hypsilophodon Day. It would be, I know that's rather a mouthful, but it could be H-Day for short. The trouble is, I'm not one of the biggest, fiercest dinosaurs around. Far from it. I'm nearly the smallest and one of the gentlest. I do hope I'll manage to look after my babies all right. I just can't wait to see them. Try day. Try day? I ask you, why name a day after Triceratops? Just because she's got three horns and a fancy armor-plated frill around her neck? It's just not fair. She's tons bigger than me, and she has all this armor to protect her against T-Rex and the like. I haven't even got one horn. All I've got are these two little spikes on the thumb of each of my front paws, and they're not much use. At least, Triceratops doesn't try to eat me. She only eats plants, but she can be quite a bully. This morning, I had just discovered a patch of delicious horsetail plants, my favourite food, when Tri appeared, horns lowered, saying, Beat it, hipsy-whipsy! It's a wonder I found anywhere to lay my eggs, but I did. Guess I've laid them. All twenty of them, green with black spots, like last time. I dug a hole in the mud and laid them in a beautiful spiral pattern. I covered them with bits of horsetail to keep them warm. Oh, how I hope they'll all hatch out. Youth Day I don't mind my friend Ufo Kephidus having a day named after her. She's another of these armor-plated giants, but she's not a bully like Triceratops. In fact, she's a bit of a star, especially today. There I was, hovering around my new nest, nibbling at some lovely juicy horsetails. All of a sudden, from out of the tall ferns, a gigantic T-Rex appeared. I froze to the spot. Normally I'd run. I'm quite a nippy root mover, but for some reason I couldn't bring myself to leave the nest and all my beautiful eggs. T-Rex was just about to pick me up in his razor-sharp claws when Youth charged up and gave him a whack in the stomach with his really cool club which she has at the end of her tail. T-Rex doubled up in agony and lumbered away, clutching his stomach. He seemed to have forgotten all about me. When I thanked Youth, she just said, Don't mention it, old girl. You do the same for me. The trouble is, I couldn't do it the same for her. I'm just too little, and all I've got to fight with are the silly spikes on their thumbs. Thank goodness my eggs are all right. 
plump day. Tragedy has struck. All my eggs have been eaten. I was guarding the nest when T-Rex appeared again. This time there was no youth around to protect me. I forced myself to leave the nest and run for my life. I had to run for miles. It's a good job I'm so fast on my feet or I could never have got away. But when I got back to the nest, it was surrounded by a gang of compsognathi, all smacking their jaws and licking their lips with egg yolk trickling down their chins. I hate comps. They're even smaller than me, yet they have a day named after them. I suppose it's because they go around in a nasty, fierce gang, hunting for lizards and insects and dinosaur eggs. This is just what happened to my last lot of eggs. I'm beginning to wonder if I'll ever have any babies. Life is very hard. Meg Day, several weeks later. Sorry about the long gap. I meant to keep this diary every day, but I've been too upset. Even when I realised I was ready to lay some new eggs, I didn't feel much better. But today has been so amazing, like some weird dream, that I simply must tell you about it. This morning, seems a lifetime ago, I was wandering around yet again looking for a good egg-laying spot when I heard a familiar crashing sound coming from the tall ferns. It was sounded suspiciously like T-Rex, but it wasn't. It was a megalosaurus, another of the awful giant meat-eaters. Once again, my little legs went into action, but the ground was covered in puddles and rocks. Meg could leap over these, but I had to splash through the puddles and dodge round the biggest rocks, which slowed me down. I shouldn't have glanced over my shoulder, but I did, and that was how I tripped over a rock. I picked myself up quickly, but I'd hurt my leg. I could only limp along. This is it, I thought to myself, as the footsteps behind me grew louder. I splashed into yet another puddle and then realised that it wasn't a puddle, not an ordinary one anyway. It was much deeper, more like a well. I was being sucked under the water, so I wasn't going to be eaten. I was going to drown. But I didn't feel as if I was drowning. Strangely, I didn't seem to need to breathe at all. I closed my eyes and let the water take me down myself being sucked around a corner and then I was rising up, 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 faster and faster till my head popped out of the water. Was I in the same puddle or a different one? Was the Megalosaurus there waiting for me? I opened my eyes and when I blinked the water out of them I found I was in some sort of pond along with two creatures I'd never seen before in my life. They were smaller smaller than me, and feathery with beaks, and they were swimming about, making what I can only describe as a whacking sound. Whack, whack. When they saw me, they looked terrified. Don't see anyone being terrified of me. Flapping like mad, they half ran, half flew out of the water onto an island in the middle of the pond. There they stood, beating their wings and sticking their necks out at me angrily. Get out of our pond, they quacked. I swam to the bank and clambered out. I took no more notice of the two quackosaurs, or whatever they were called, because now I could hear another sound, one that I didn't like at all. I looked around me to see where it was coming from. There was no sign of the megalosaurus, but in the distance I could see something even worse. 
Coming towards me over some strange-looking bumpy earth was a bright red monster. Instead of normal legs, it had round ones that rolled across the ground. More alarming still, it was letting out a dreadful, loud, deep roar. I didn't stop to find out any more. I took off. I had no idea where I was going, and I was still limping slightly. But at least the ground I was running over was quite soft. It was covered in some very short, bright green plants. Where were the horsetails? Where were the tall ferns? After several minutes, I stopped and turned round. I could still see the big red creature in the distance, but it didn't seem to be coming after me. In fact, it was standing still, and it stopped roaring. I could hear something else, though, and it sounded like laughter, or rather high-pitched twittering, giggling coming from up above my head. I looked up. Some creatures with wings and forked tails were flitting about in the air. They were even smaller than the cracker saws, or lots smaller, in fact. What's so funny? I asked them. You are, said one of them cheekily. Fancy running away from a tractor. Is that what that red monster is? I asked. A tractor, did you say? I suppose that must be short for tractosaurus. Do you mean to say it's a plant eater? The fork tail seemed to think that it was funnier than ever. It broke out into fresh critters. <laughs> this was too much. It was bad enough feeling scared and confused without being laughed at. I felt two tears prick my eyes. The cheeky forktail must have noticed because he suddenly became very light and polite and said, Swallows here, Swinburne speaking. How may I help you? I don't really know, I answered, but then I had an idea. Maybe you could help me find somewhere to lay my eggs. How about the hen house? suggested one of the swallows. No, not the hen house, said Swinburne. We all know what happens to the eggs in the hen house. I don't. I admitted, what does happen to them? They get boiled up for the farmer's breakfast, said Swinburne. Or scrambled, said another. All the swallows started joining in. Poached, fried, coddled, made into cakes, omelettes, mayonnaise. This sounded terrible. I thought about the cops. Do these farmer creatures do their egg hunting in gangs, I asked. Instead of answering, Swinburne broke into another peal of twittery laughter and the others joined in. I think this time they thought that I was trying to be funny. How about the barn? That's where we lay our eggs, said Swinburne. Come on and we'll show you. The swallows flew off together, swooping and snapping at flies. Feeling as bewildered as ever, I ran after them till they reached a strange thing. It was rather like a large, huge, reddish rock, but I'd never seen such a straight square rock before. The swallows threw through an opening right into the thing. I hesitated outside, but Swinburne flew out again and said, Come on, this is the barn. So I followed him in. It was dim inside the barn. I couldn't see the swallows at first, but there was a terrible din coming from above my head. Tweety tweet, tweety tweet. What's been keeping you, Swinburne? Can't you hear those starving? came a voice. I looked up and saw a lot of saucers of mud on a high ledge. Swinburne and another swallow were perched on one of the mud saucers, out of which poked four noisy, wide-open beaks. Meet my wife, Swoop, said Swinburne. Swoop, this is a hypsilophodon, I prompted him, but you could call me H for short. Swoop said nothing and gave me a funny look. Don't mind her, said Swinburne. She's been suspicious of outsiders ever since the cat caught two of our babies last year. I didn't ask what a cat was. I was afraid Swinburne would laugh at me again. 
Anyway, went on Swinburne after he popped some flies into the open beaks. This is the nesting place I was telling you about. The cat can't climb up here. But neither can I, I complained. Swoop looked relieved. How silly of me. So you can't. What about the hayloft then? Swinburne pointed with a wing to a platform at the other end of the barn. But how do I get up there, I asked. Try the stairs, said Swinburne. Do you know what stairs are? I didn't. And they look nasty and hard and steep. But when I tried, it was easy enough to get up there. At the top I found a mound of yellow stuff, which was a real treat, warm and soft to lie, and with such a good smell that I wondered if it might be good to eat too. I nibbled a little. It wasn't bad, though not a patch on horse tails. So that's where I am now, lying on a bed of hay, which is what the yellow stuff is called. I'm much too tired for egg laying, so I'll have a sleep and think about eggs in the morning. What a day! Sunday. The days have different names here, I've discovered. They're not named after dinosaurs like they are back home. Today is named after the sun. Most peculiar. The main news is that I've laid my eggs. Just wait till I tell you where. But first I must start to tell you about this morning. I woke with a start. The swallows were making a dreadful racket. Not their usual twittering, but a shriller, louder, panicky sounding. Twit, twit, twit! It sounded like some kind of warning. And immediately I realized that that's just what it was because I could hear something else. The sound of heavy footsteps on the stairs. I scrubbed under the hay just in time and kept completely still. Someone or something started rummaging around in the hay. That it wasn't a meat eating dinosaur. Surely whoever it was must be able to hear my heart thumping. To my relief, the rummaging stopped and I heard the footsteps disappear down the stairs. I peeped out of the hay just in time to see a creature with floppy looking blue skin walking out of the barn on its hind legs. Who is that? I asked. The farmer, said Swinburne. The farmer? But that was the dreaded egg eater, wasn't it? No, was he looking for eggs? You are funny, H, said Swinburne. No, he was just getting some hay. But I can't lay my eggs here if this farmer creature is going to keep nosing around, I said. No, I suppose not, said Swinburne. Sorry about that. Maybe that junk corner would be a better place. The farmer hardly ever goes there. Come and see what you think. I lumbered down the stairs, which was much trickier than getting up there, and followed Swinburne to a dark corner of the barn. First, I couldn't see much, but as my eyes grew used to the dim light, I began to make out a jumble of strange objects. These are all the old broken things the farmer doesn't need. Forks, spades, rakes, wheelbarrows. I didn't take in any more, because at that second I saw something which made me tremble all over. It was a monster, like the one I'd seen yesterday on the lumpy earth. Only this one was brown instead of red. Help! A tractosaurus! I squealed. I ran all the way back to the hayloft and buried myself again. It was a long while before Swinburne could persuade me to come out. Trying not to laugh, he told me that a tractosaurus, or tractor as he insists on calling it, isn't actually alive at all. It's something called a machine, whatever that is. It doesn't eat animals or plants. It just likes a drink called diesel, but it can't drink that all by itself. A farmer has to feed it. I still wasn't convinced, but I saw the other one, the red one, running around and roaring. 
that's because the farmer was driving it. But he can't drive this one. It's all old and rusty. It doesn't work anymore. That's why it's in the junk corner. At last, I plucked up courage to go back. Sure enough, the Traptosaurus didn't move when Swinburne perched on it, or even when he giggled, flew above it and spattered it with some white stuff. Feeling very brave, I reached out with one of my front legs and touched the Traptosaurus gently. It felt cold and hard. I still don't think this is a good nesting place, I said. What I'd really like would be some nice mud. Mud? exclaimed Swinburne. Really, H, why didn't you say so before? We can find you plenty of that. Come on, Mob, off to the pond, he called out to the other swallows. You wait here, H. Before I could reply, the barn was a flurry of activity. The swallows had flown off their own nests and were helping to build mine. In and out of the barn they flew. They flew out with empty beaks. When they returned, the beaks were full of mud. Mind you, one swallow's beak full is not much mud at all, but there were so many of them, and they worked so fast that it soon mounted up. What bothered me was where it was mounting up, inside the Tractosaurus itself. No, not there, I tried to tell them. They took no notice. The rusty old Tractosaurus was to be the home for my eggs, and that was settled. Before long, I'd quite come down around to the idea myself. Swoop didn't join in the mud collecting. She stayed near her nest and looked quite disapproving, I thought. One of her babies had learned to fly, but she wouldn't let him join in either. The cat might get you, she told him. I couldn't help wondering if it was really me she was scared of. I must say, the mud collectors did a brilliant job. Before long, the inside of the Traptosaurus was looking lovely and squelchy, just like the swamp back home. Not at all afraid anymore, I climbed up onto it. The swallows flew back to their nests. They knew that I'd want to lay my eggs in private. Swinburne was the last to leave. Do let me see them when you've finished, he whispered. Promise I won't bring the mob with me. I dug into the mud, not too deep, squatted down, and at long last laid my eggs. Only thirteen of them this time, but if anything, even more beautiful than the last lot. I called softly to Swinburne. To my surprise, Swoop flew down with him. I hope she's beginning to come round to me a bit now that I've proved myself not to be, a, to be an egg layer like her. But she didn't look too impressed. <coughs> Thirteen. Unlucky number, she muttered. Aren't they a wonderful green, I said, and French just love the black spots. Uh, yes, very nice, said Swinburne, sounding a bit doubtful. They're certainly extremely bright, said Swoop. Mine were white with pale brown speckles, she added proudly. Privately, I thought, how dull, but I didn't say so. Swoop flew back to her own nest, but Swinburne stayed and helped me cover the eggs up with bits of hay. Are you going to sit on them now, he asked. I explained that I couldn't do that for fear of crushing them, but that I would stay close by. You'll need a bed then, said Swinburne, and he helped me fetch some more hay and spread it out on the floor beside the Traptosaurus. Thank you, I said, and lay down gratefully. I feel exhausted, but proud and happy. I have some new friends, a nice safe nest, and some beautiful eggs. Oh, how I hope that this time they'll hatch out, and I will become a mother at last. Monday. Swinburne told me that this is named after the moon. I asked him why none of the days are named after dinosaurs. He just laughed at me and again said that dinosaurs don't exist here apart from me, of course. 
can this be true or is it just one of Swinburne's jokes?